Hello and welcome to Spooptober on the Grindhouse Girls podcast. This month we'll be focusing on some Halloween films to Hallow stream this spooky season. But of course, we'll be discussing all things spoopy, scary, and strange. As usual, we'd like to warn our listeners that some things that we discuss due to their graphic nature may be disturbing and listener discretion is advised. But for those of you who would like to be spooked out, keep listening and on to the podcast. Heavy metal, dungeons and dragons, big, frizzy hair. The popularity of all of these and the mysterious powers they might hold inspired the satanic panic of the 1980s and 90s. And what's more Halloween y than the occult? This week, we dive deeper into the fandom and fables surrounding heavy metal culture with the thriller We Summon the Darkness. So find your favorite Metallica song and don't mix your lighter and hairspray. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Hello! Happy Spooktober, everybody. I'm Katie. And hi there, I'm Brittany. And we have, as a special guest this week... Jake Danger Jolly. Uh, appreciate you girls inviting me back. <laughs> Yay! Yay! So we're glad to have you back. Thank you for coming. We are. If you guys remember, Jake came on last Spooktober to show us an advanced screening of Clay Zombies, Yay. which is now out on Blu-ray and streaming on Tubi. And we'll get into that whole process because he and the movie have had quite the journey since then. So they've had a premiere... They've gone on Blu-ray, they have comic books, and now they're on streaming platforms. So you can watch it now. It's exciting. Yeah. So how are you doing? Oh, pretty good. You know, like you guys said, I'm, I'm excited to finally be on Tubi. I think it's a really cool resource. Yeah, there's a lot to watch. You know, if you wanted to give up a few streaming services for like a month or two, save some money, there really is enough on Tubi to kind of keep you entertained for a little bit. It's always a cool free alternative, but uh, I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about We Summon the Dark and uh, an odd role for Johnny Knoxville, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> very, very anti-Johnny Knoxville role for Johnny Knoxville. I was pleasantly surprised to see him in this movie because I think, I don't know how much Jackass you consumed 
Britt or Jake, but I consumed a lot of it. Started with the movies. I actually yeah. watched the TV show after I saw the movies. It's just stupid, relentless ridiculousness for like two hours, and it's hilarious. I mean, I don't even know. It's just a very special place in my heart, the Jackass films and Johnny Knoxville. I literally grew up between two boys, uh, so that was something on a lot in our house. The thing I always remember the most from Jackass, though, is him putting a mouse puppet on his wee wee we can say penis on his penis i know like i know i'm joking but yeah that's the one thing i remember because even as like a as that was very funny as like a young teenager i was like dumb fuck but you know i will say going back to the movie with a gentleman that does a lot of stunts in the cast the cast and crew were probably like okay we got like a professional here yeah and i did read that that they they liked having him there because they're like oh he there's a scene he's in without spoilers that there's a there's a lot of moving pieces so yeah he was very concerned for everyone's safety which i thought was actually a cool aspect that i wouldn't even thought of initially when watching this film yeah he's He's a, he's a very interesting person, Johnny Knoxville. Like, as stupid as his TV shows were, and as stupid as those movies were, he really did seem to, like, care about people. And, like, it's sad that Bam wasn't in the latest one, but the reason he wasn't was because he needed to get help. And I think they thought the only way to get him to get help was to tell him to go home and get some help. Allegedly. Um, so background, I would say if you were not around in the 80s and 90s, satanic panic was a real thing. Probably the three things it was most closely related to was the West Memphis Three. Yes. And the subsequent documentary series that they did with it. What is that documentary series called? I'm blanking. I completely forgot too, but it it's was a great a documentary series. It's out. an HBO documentary series. Yeah. I feel oh, what movies know. was I thinking of too? Paradise Lost. That's what it was called. The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills. That's okay. the. It's an HBO documentary series. That is a great look into Satanic Panic and what it did to people. Also, Dungeons and Dragons. Everyone thought Dungeons and Dragons was going to make everyone go. Crazy, which is weird because I recent I was just because for researching this I was looking up some like I think it was Canadian public broadcasting or whatever they did like a thing about like Dungeons and Dragons and maybe the New York Times they were talking about how Dungeons and Dragons was blamed for this kid disappearing but the kid that they talk about he was fine they found him like a few months later and I mean he sadly died but not because of Dungeons and Dragons and not during that event like they said it was him disappearing but it was completely unrelated but that was the thing that started everyone thinking Dungeons and Dragons was doing that so I found that very interesting. Dungeons and Dragons was another thing that people were weird about. I think there's even a King of the Hill episode about that. Yeah, I feel like you're right. Yeah. There's also the Dark Dungeons movie that's from a chick track, which was like a religious thing. Which that's the other thing is like a bunch of like hyper religious zealots were like, oh, anything not Christian is the devil. Especially in the South. I know when I was a kid, I had a friend that wasn't allowed to do anything with Pokemon because their parents were it was kind of like satanic so yeah some people felt like that about harry potter when Mm -hmm. we were kids my parents were chill with it my catholic school let me get out of class to go to the movie if i dressed up so like obviously not every religious person was like that did you have that growing up since you grew up in the midwest not the south (laughs) yeah i guess i mean the same thing we heard the the pokemon pokemon however you say it represented demons and i wanted to try final fantasy 10 (laughs) and i had a friend that was like Dude, you can't play Final Fantasy X. It's evil. It's like they got they got witchcraft Why? in it. 
And Why that Ring, one? I don't know. I guess because the one I wanted to play. Because I was like, oh, that looks cool. He's like, oh, no, it's evil, man. You can't play that. I was like, whatever. That's weird. Yeah. So I ended up playing it anyways. And uh, he came over to hang out and saw, like, my blockbuster box that said Final Fantasy X on it. And was like, like, oh, my gosh, can't believe you're playing the evil game. <laughs> So yes, so that was a big thing with this. Also, the heavy movie, uh, heavy movie, heavy metal culture. Not the movie heavy metal, just the culture of heavy metal music. Yeah. But the culture of heavy metal and like going to concerts and stuff is a thing that this movie really harps on, which I think Britt knows more about than I do because I was not, I think Evanescence was about as heavy metal as I got in high school. Evanescence slapped though, man. But... You know, there's some there's some like dabbling in the occult with heavy metal music, but it's mostly for show. Like Ozzy yeah. Osbourne, he didn't know that Bat was alive <laughs> when he bit the head off. He said, he's like, I don't remember doing that. It wasn't on purpose. Yeah. I was about to say, well, I remember when I was a kid that Marilyn Manson had come to like my hometown too. And oh, not God. even talking about, we're not going to get on Marilyn Manson as a person. Mm. But just like, you know, he, he's like a glam shock shock rocker. And it was still, there was, there was like multiple churches in the parking lot, like condemning and yelling at people yeah. as they were entering the concert. Yeah. Like that was a huge thing when I was, and I was like maybe eight or nine when that happened. Did you go to the Marilyn Manson? No, God, no. Oh, I, didn't I, was go. like, I was like, I didn't go. I didn't go. Uh, my brother's first heavy metal concert, well, it was new metal, but Brandon saw Corn when he was like 14 years old. Corn so, was very popular with all yeah. of my friends' older brothers. So, but that's like Brandon. I didn't get to go to a show <laughs> until I was like 16 and I was taking back Sunday Mike and Romance. But, but heavy metal! And Satanic <laughs> panics that's definitely what kind of led it and then they when like the director mark myers was literally reading the script for this movie he goes wow this movie is like a period piece it's set in the 80s but there's a lot that's relevant to this time period too there is yes which is like basically a small group of people creating like a frenzy a panic yep i think it's something that can ring true throughout the whole world and this was released in 2019 Mm -hmm. ironically but it seems very timely now. I feel like nobody really watched it until like the last year, though. Oh, I agree with that. Because I hadn't really heard of this movie until it had to be last year. And I was like, oh, that looks good. But I didn't read anything into it because everyone was like, don't spoil it for you. Because this movie does have some twists and turns and they're kind of early on. So yeah, you don't want to read too much into it because it kind of ruins the movie. So we won't get too far into that before we say Spoilers. And Mark Myers has a very, the director has a very interesting resume because he did direct my, and write My Friend Dahmer, which is, I've been kind of wanting to watch it, but then like Jeffrey Dahmer is one of those serial killers that is just so disgusting that like I can only handle reading about him for so long. And it's about him as a child. And I've heard very mixed reviews about it. Um, but that's certainly a more darker thing. Uh, but he also did All My Life, which yeah. is like a rom-com. And I remember seeing the commercial for it because it was like high school sweethearts are about to get married. Or like, I don't know, they've been dating for a really long time. I guess they've been dating since like middle school because the whole thing is the husband doesn't know how to... Wait, is it the wife or the husband? I'm, so there were a bunch I, of movies I've like this. Someone gets tra- a cancer diagnosis. I only saw the trailer, but I thought like they met in like a bar or something, so they were older. Okay, there's two different movies. That yeah, are the same and then plot. so they like they're dating. They're so perfect for each other, and they get engaged. And then like he gets a liver like cancer, cancer diagnosis, diagnosis. Yeah. and so he like adopts a dog. So I guess they start moving a lot of the things up in their timeline that they were right. talking about. I've never seen it, um, but I do remember. Story. But I was like, this is two very 
very different movies. And then there's this movie. So. Yeah. And then he did a few documentaries, too, under his belt. Oh. So, yeah. That was interesting, too. So, yeah. he's He's been a little bit everywhere. And Alan Trezza who uh, wrote Burying the X, which I thought was interesting because Burying the X had Anton Yelchin, the late great Anton Yelchin in oh, it. I love him. But he was also a producer for this movie, too. That was kind of interesting. And Anton seems, was? Oh, no, I'm sorry, not Anton. Alan Trezza, the oh, writer, okay. was also a producer for this movie. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I should have clarified, guys. And it seems like Alexandria Daddario. So it seems like Alexandria, who plays Alexis, Alan and Mark have all three worked with each other, like, different times. So, like, they, they had fully formed relationships, I guess, before this movie, which is really interesting, really solid. It is interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking from my extremely low budget and have no idea the vast complications of upper budget but that's what i want to do it's like you already know who's going to show up on time and who you can trust so it makes sense when people are like oh you're not crazy i want to work with you three or four more times you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like that with a lot of like performance things it's like one of the hardest things that i think about getting into like film or theater or anything like or even music is the reason that people keep casting the same people is because they know that they're not going to just not show up to set or rehearsal or what have you but the good thing is once you find those people which I think that's why a lot of college is great for people who want to do creative stuff because it's like a networking thing because you might find your crew that you want to create with but once you find them it's like yeah you're gonna hire the same people because they didn't let you down and they're not going to pull a former Lindsay Lohan and not show up to set or get drunk. But yes, yeah, so synopsis. Did you have a synopsis? or I didn't. No, okay. ma'am. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to try to give as spoiler-free as a synopsis as possible. Um, So it's going to be very yeah, vague. I was gonna say. So if you haven't already watched this, go watch it on Tubi. Um, I think it also might be on Freebie, which is like the Amazon Prime one. Um, So it's streaming in a couple places. Yeah, I know it's definitely on Prime because I watched it on Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, so I guess IMDb TV was like not doing as well as they wanted. So they rebranded it uh-huh. as Amazon Freebie. I like both of them. Tubi doesn't have a ton of commercials, so it's good to watch. You know what? I've I've noticed that if I'm watching it on my phone, which I know you're not supposed to do that, but sometimes you just have no choice. I have less commercials than when I watch it on my television on my Roku. Yeah. But if you don't want to spend you know, $50 a month on 10 different streaming services, like you kind of have to now, Tubi is a really good option. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, hey, I can watch this for free and I can still watch the movies. I would say it's definitely worth the watch. So go watch it before this gets spoiled for you. Yeah. And then afterwards, we'll talk a little bit about getting on Tubi and that journey. Um, But very quickly... The synopsis, that's spoiler for you. Three young women get more than they bargained for after inviting some fellow heavy metal fans to an after party. I'm going to tell you. So, um, I guess we're going to spoilers. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So we can talk about it. There's not a ton of plot, but we'll go through a little bit. I do like there's some setups, some payoffs that I think are really worth mentioning with this movie. So, we've got three young women on a country road in 1988, Indiana, and they are making their way to a heavy metal concert. What was the... The band was like Satan's... Uh, Soldiers of Satan. Soldiers of Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we've got Alexis, 
who was kind of like, I don't know, too cool for school kind of girl, who's played by Alexandria Daddario, who I just saw in The White Lotus season one, okay. which she did a really good job in. She was also on True Detective, but I don't know what season she, she was, was in. the first season, so she was, was she? Uh, Woody Harrelson's mistress. In the first season. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. I the was like, much younger girl he was hooking up yes, with. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. She was also in American Horror Story Hotel, tight, mm-hmm. but Texas Chainsaw 3D, which I don't think I've seen all of. I feel like I turned that on and was like, this is trash. Yeah. And turned it right off. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't awful either. I think it was better than the one that just came out. It she was, was just... also uh, Annabeth in the Percy Jackson films for our Percy Jackson I didn't people. I not see any of those. You mean rip off Harry Potter? <laughs> but she was also, I did want to mention, because I didn't even know this was filming. So she's currently filming uh, Anne Rice's uh, Mayfair, which is, is going to be yeah. a TV series. And it looks like she's one of the leads based on all the episodes she's in. Which I don't know anything about Mayfair, which but I know about Anne Rice and her vampires. Yeah, her vampire I watched, chronicles. I still haven't seen an interview with the vampire TV series. But oh, it doesn't come out until October. Oh, good. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I, I don't have AMC Plus, so I probably will not be watching it um, until later. Unless someone wants to give me a password. I kind of want to watch it, though, because Grey Worm's in it. Yes, Jacob. I love you. I love him. Yeah. Um, so so we've got Alexis, or Alex. They call her Alex. She's driving. We've got this quiet girl named Beverly, played by Amy Forsyth, Forsyth who was in Coda. Yeah, she was Gertie, the best friend. She was the best friend. And she's also on The Gilded Age. She plays, like, a smaller part in The Gilded Age. Which you've, but she's also on A Christmas Horror Story in Channel Zero. So... And Channel Zero, I think, is streaming on Shudder. It's like a TV anthology. Mm. And then we've got the fun-loving Val, who's probably my favorite character in this movie. I don't know if she's the best person in this movie, but she's super entertaining. Played by Maddie Hassan, I guess, or Hassan. Who was in one of our favorite movies from last year? Malignant as Sydney, the little sister. I didn't even recognize her without bangs. Like, that's how different she looks with bangs. Well, she also is playing a teenager in this movie. Mm -hmm. And she only waited, like, two years. There's only, like, two two or three years in between filming. But she's playing a teenager in this movie, and she's playing, like, a college kid in this movie. And she's playing, like, an adult, late 20s in Malignant. So maybe bangs just mature you. I don't know. Sometimes. Also, Twisted, which is a TV series. Impulse. And Mr. Mercedes, which I know is a Stephen King adaptation, but I have not watched any of it, even though it looked like the cast was really good. Yeah. But basically, they're complaining about needing to... Uh, she needs to pee again, because apparently she has a weak bladder, and you'll hear that a lot throughout this movie. Kind of a running joke. And they kind of stop at a gas station... And I wouldn't say he's a harbinger character, but there's an attendant. And he's like, y'all, he's listening to this pastor, played by Johnny Knoxville on the television show. Which I think, I don't think we need to say any more Johnny Knoxville stuff. Yeah, we, yeah, we kind of know him. He's preaching about, you know, evil and all this stuff. And there's a, these series of ritualistic murders that have occurred, basically. And the attendant's like, you girls, be careful out there. You seem like nice girls. And they're like, oh, thanks. And they buy firecrackers and they go. And Um, Twinkies. And they had like the airhead things, which. Yeah. mm. Yeah. That part is like the part that like sold me because it was like I, I I really liked their dynamic at at that point where I was like, oh, wow, this really seems like a, a nice group of friends. And then the attendant <laughs> interaction, I was like, you know what? It seems like he actually cares, you know, about them. Yeah. And so that's kind of when I was like, all right, I'm in. I'll keep watching. This is, this is got something. Yeah. I will say the three girls have really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. 
And the whole cast really has good chemistry. And it they really do seem like real real college kids, you know. And I did read they were allowed to improv some parts of the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Always helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always helps to feel more yeah. realistic. Anyways, so they they go driving to this heavy metal concert and a big chocolate milkshake hits them. Yep. Which at first I thought this was like, I didn't know what it was. I was like, oh my God, did someone like throw a body part up there? Yeah. Know? It's probably what they were thinking too. Like yeah. it's just such the element of surprise. And I, I probably would have thought it was like shit first. And I think that's what they initially <laughs> thought it was too. So. Oh no, someone shit in a cup in the car. I mean, I yeah. guess you could. But yeah, so yeah, so I think Val licks it because Val does not give a shit. And they see that it's like a blue van. Like, mm-hmm. your classic free candy van, as I like to call it. Wow. Um, and they, they clean up the milkshake, and they're like, we're gonna we're gonna get revenge. And they get their chance, because when they get to the concert, uh, that van is there. And so they take some firecrackers and throw it in the window. And so all the occupants come out, and it's three dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, they're three best friends. We're the three best friends. <laughs> three, three, three best friends. And they are soon to be former bandmates because one of them is moving to California. So we've got Ivan, who is the bassist. Ivan is played by Austin Swift, ah. who is Taylor Swift's brother. Oh, wow. And he does a lot of her music videos. The only other movies he's been in is called IT and Live by Night, which I heard of Live by Night. I haven't heard of the other one. But he does a lot of, like, he produces a lot of her films and, like, music videos, and he's been in them. And then we've got Frontman Kovacs, which was it just me or I was surprised he was the frontman. Yeah, I can see that a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I was I like, like super, I thought you were going to be the drummer. I'm going to be honest. Because, <laughs> like, I do see, like, wiry white guys as frontmen, or at least in a lot of alternative Yeah, rocks. but usually it's, like, the pretty boy. You know, like, usually it's, like, the pretty, pretty boy front man. Anyways, so he's played by Logan Miller. Yeah, Logan Miller. His name is Kovacs, who's been in a lot of, like, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. He's been in a few episodes of The Walking Dead. A Dog's Purpose. Oh, he's also in Love, Simon, uh, which I still have not watched, but it looks like a really cute movie. It's, like, uh, it's like an LGBTQ plus teen rom-com, which they are sorely lacking in that, frankly. So I'm glad. And I've heard really good things about Love, Simon, so I need to watch that. And he's in all the Escape Room movies. Oh. Because they made two already. <laughs> he survived the first one. I did want to point one. out one other thing is that he was a voice actor in 55 episodes of The Ultimate Spider-Man. And I always yeah. think that's impressive. Like when you're a voice actor and you do like... 50 episodes of something, that's like... That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. So. That's a lot. Oh, and of course, we also meet the drummer, whose name is Mark, who's played by Kian? Yeah, that's Kian? how we get a Kian? 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 Johnson, who is on Euphoria. And I was like, who is he in Euphoria? He's the guy that Sydney Sweeney's character flirts with on the merry-go-round before she has a really good time on that merry-go-round in front of everyone. He's the one that also broke up with Kat when she gained weight in six years. Yes, yes. She was also Kat's, but then he ends up hooking up with Sydney Sweeney's character. But in this movie, he's not so much of a douche. But he was also an Alita battle angel, which I would not see because that girl's eyes were freaky. (laughs) And that's not the actress's fault. They CGI'd, but I was like, I don't get it. That's what's sad is that's... There was... They could have saved, like, millions of dollars by just not doing the eyes and that's what everybody talks about yeah <laughs> it could have saved millions of dollars. i know on we go so we got three girls we got three guys yeah. they're so like of course. they're like talking about heavy metal 
bonding because yeah. it's like you're a dick and they the guys i will say they do apologize they're like oh shit we're sorry so they kind of owe up really quick about the milkshake also, thing i'm not gonna okay i i don't like judging a book by its cover but from the first like line of all the boys i'm like oh these 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 guys they're in a band but like they're like sweet little like trip over themselves guys like yeah. like they, i don't think they're asshole band people i will say without spoiling it at around this time i kind of guessed one of the mm-hmm. major twists because it was just like there was something in the way they were portraying these guys that they're i was like there's no way that these guys are bad guys they're just little teddy bears big old teddy bears yeah. and they they do talk up a game but i was like you don't have any game but it's not in a mean way i prefer people that have no game let me just say it because then like you're getting a genuine person but yeah so of course what do you do after a concert yeah so, oh i do have to say so they attend this concert together and i don't know if you, i know you don't listen to much metal jake i don't know how you felt about this but i was like this doesn't sound like me- this metal does not sound right like it does not sound like legit metal to me yeah it, uh i don't know it sounded like music that costs way less to purchase than- <laughs> <laughs> it's like where is my this royalty is like free some, music this is like some great value <laughs> yeah. metal is what it yes. sounds like so Anyways. But uh, afterwards, Alexis does invite them to, like, she's like, oh, we can go to my dad's house and hang out. Yeah. And so they go, and this is where I was like, oh, shit, I know which where this is going. Because they get there, and to the survivors of the boys, it turns out to be a mansion. Yeah. Yeah. It's an 80s mansion, too. <laughs> so, like, it's, they did a really good job with the decorating. I will say the house did look very 80s. And, you know, I will say Alexis says something to Beverly like, oh, oh, Mark, I think is perfect for you. And it's cute because like, not only is it isolated, but it's huge. Yeah. And they like start a bonfire and Mark and Beverly kind of hit it off and start bonding a little bit. And then, you know, Beverly's kind of like nervous. She's like, I don't think I can do this. And Alexis is like, just do what I do. It's fine. And they start playing Never Have I Ever, which is a classic party game, especially when you're that age and your brain hasn't fully developed. Everyone's like, let's do Never Have I Ever. It's so much fun. <laughs> Because honestly, you haven't done a lot of things at that point. And I do think it's interesting because this is like the first telling sign because one of the boys are like, well, never have I ever spent a night in jail. And Bev takes a drink and they're like, oh my God, what did you do? And she's like, I stole food. And so that's like a, I do like that's a little clever because it's kind of setting it up like, okay, well, why was she stealing food? Well, she had to be stealing food because she was starving. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. And they also Val Peter pants once. And then she's like, because I have a weak bladder. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is funny. And Alexis finally goes, never have I ever drugged someone's drink. And all the guys are like, of course not. Which I was like, wow. I'm sorry. Yeah, they are. They're just like, they're like, whoa, that's shitty. That's shitty. I was Which like, is oh. once again like driving home. They're good people. Yeah. So it happens to everybody, y'all. Yeah, and it's unfortunately. Bad. Yeah. And unfortunately, it happens to these guys. Yeah. Because they slowly start to realize that the drinks they're talking about are theirs as they all start passing out one by one. Yeah. And they wake up. And this is the big twist, guys. So spoilers if you don't want. To know anything, although it, you kind of see it coming. So they're they're shirtless, they're tied up in three chairs, and there's a big pentagram and spray painted words. We summon the darkness. And there's all these candles lit up everywhere. It looks very ritualistic, and they're like, "Oh my god, you guys are the satanic cult that's been killing everybody." And they're like, "Well, kind of yes, kind of no." They tell them that they're part of the Daughters of the Dawn, which is like a super zealous Christian church aka a cult and it's been recruiting members all over the country to commit these murders so it's different people committing every murder 
which is why, like, the police are having a hard time finding them, but they're all from the same organized or organization, I guess. I shouldn't say organized religion, but... And they're blaming the satanic pan- panic and heavy metal scene for it. Yeah. So basically they're staging it to look like Mark killed both of his friends and then himself. Which was the twist I didn't see coming. I knew, at, I knew like, at, like, some point in the movie that the girls were going to be the ones that were, like, the bad guys, quote-unquote. But I didn't see that they were actually religious and they were trying to get people to come to their church for this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the whole thing is, like, they're going to scare people into religion. But the thing I thought was going to happen was that the girls were going to have to fight their way out of it. I mm. kind of thought that was what was going to happen. And then probably... When, I would say when they get to the house is when I started being like, when Mm, one of them goes, no one needs to know we're here. I was like, oh, why? Why would no one need to know you're here? Exactly. Nefarious much? Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, now, Jake, did you see the twist coming? Um, No, I did not see that uh that twist coming and that's kind of what kept me on the edge of my seat too. It's like, and I don't know about you, but when... The, the whole tied up and vulnerable thing, it always gets the tension up immediately for me where it's like, oh gosh, I <laughs> just get free already, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, like you're just powerless in a situation and it's like, they even, they have a really good cutaway where it's like they start screaming for help and of course it pans out to see that they're in this giant ass house in the middle of nowhere. So it's like literally no one can even hear them scream. So it definitely drives home like how powerless they feel. And I do like the setup that, you know, that seems to be like a lot of, I mean, I don't say this with all men, but I did grow up with with two brothers and I have a lot of guy friends. You know, that seems like to be like the dream. Like, you know, you have this great concert, you're really feeling the music and you meet three girls and you have two buddies. It's like, oh, there's one for each. So it's like, everything about the situation seems too good to be true, and it's because it is. Yeah, it's like another thing where, you know, Psycho made people afraid to take a shower. This movie will make uh, people afraid to hang out after a concert. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's like, and that's the great thing about horror, is that any situation, like, it's going to make you afraid. Like, if you see the right movie, um, like, you know, like, you're going to be afraid to hitchhike. You're going to be afraid to take a road trip. You're going to be afraid. <laughs> to fly an airplane so you're gonna be afraid to go camping in the woods um you're gonna be afraid to read a book uh written in latin you know like (laughs) but um yeah so this was kind of cool but yeah i I, like i said i did see this choice with the girls being the bad guys i did not i would never dream that they were actually doing it because they were part of like you know a church to bring more people to their church so i was like okay that's an interesting kind of twist in that respect though too but yeah they're there they're tied up and they're kind of telling them about this and it's actually ivan is the one that starts arguing with alexis about their religious beliefs and she gets very agitated very quickly um but yeah she gets really angry and very overprotective about her religious beliefs and stabs him in the neck yeah a little slight overreaction on her part little bit well i mean i guess they were gonna kill them anyways yeah so <laughs> yeah, yeah. but also a, a neck stabbing doesn't seem very ritualistic i mean if you're gonna frame that shit you do like a throat slit or like you drive like a like draw a pentagram in their chest or something but it's sad because ivan is dying in front of his friends and he does pass away and beverly's hold on hold on wait right before they're about to kill mark and kovacs and so they go in the other room and then beverly of course has to i mean val has to pee because you know she has weak bladder and beverly's like can i kill them i want to kill them and they're like you think you can she's like yes you're right i want to kill them 
And I was like, I feel like Beverly's not 100% in this cult. I feel like right. she's not so much. But also Val kind of mentions that Beverly was a runaway and they took her in. And like the Daughters of the Dawn is supposed to be like a like a place for wayward girls, quote unquote. So, you know, it's, she's kind of the, this is not, this is how they view it as like a charity case where she's not really 100% part of the team. And this is like her proving herself, which is really snobby and shitty, especially from a church. Yeah. But obviously it's a cult, not a church. So, and uh, basically as they're talking about it, the boys get out and they make it to the pantry, but not before Alexis, I think is able to cut Mm -hmm. um kovac's arm right at the artery on your arm and uh mark hits val and alexis in the face with cookie sheet i was like that's that's a good one that was pretty funny though and they they make beverly go to the barn which is really more like a tool shed right yeah to go find a tool and they try to smoke the boys out with bug i think it was raid yeah i think it was um is it the raid or like oven cleaner it was some kind of aerosol chemical and Mark is really smart. Mark gets a tourniquet for Kovac's arm because he's losing a lot of blood, uh, which you sh- first aid tip. You shouldn't use a tourniquet unless it's life or death. Because if you just use a tourniquet, stop bleeding. You can like literally lose your limb doing that. Um, but he puts a tourniquet on him and they cover up the door with a blanket so the smoke can't get to them. And then they're like, oh, shit, we gotta do something else. And uh, before they can figure something else out, Alexis's soon-to-be ex-stepmother, Susan, walks in, who's played by Allison McAtee? McAtee? McCaddy? I don't know. She's in a few movies, and she's on a lot of TV shows and uh, stage work. Uh, She's on Bloomington, The Haves and the Have-Nots, which I think is on the Oprah Winfrey Network. That sounds right. I think it's like a soap opera, basically. And Revenge, which I know that Revenge had Sarah Michelle Gellar in it, but I don't know much else about it. But she comes home to get her passport, which is, yes, her passport, but also a bunch of cocaine that's in her safe, which I found to be very 80s. And Val points out, dude, your stepmom has coke boogers, which I'm not really (laughs) sure what coke boogers are, but maybe that's because I haven't done enough cocaine in my life. Yeah, it's it's the 80s, so they had to get their cocaine reference in at least once. But yeah, so she she snorts some cocaine, she comes back, and she's going to leave. Meanwhile, Kovacs is going into shock. Yeah. Which I... I was trying to figure out why Mark knew all of this first aid information. I kind of wish they had said something like, I would say, like, like he worked as an EMT or he was a Boy Scout. Because I was just like, I mean, I took a lot of first aid training, so I know some of this stuff. But, like, I don't know. He seems to just know. He's just like, oh, like, like in your next. He's almost got, like, a your next novel level of knowledge. But she kind of says, like, I used to do a lot of survivalist stuff when yeah. I was growing up. So it yeah, makes sense. Yeah, when she was at a camp. Yeah. yeah. But, like, this one, I was just like, how does he know all of this shit? Because he's like, oh, you're going into shock. You need sugar. And here's a blanket. What's weird is, like, I found it completely believable because my, uh, my friend Harrison, who, like, well, he likes all kinds of music. But if, like, you were just someone on the outside and you saw him, you'd be like, Oh, that because he's got long hair, you'd be like, "Oh, that guy's a, a metalhead or whatever." But he actually knows so much, and like, you'll just be talking about anything, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, blah 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 blah." And I was like, "Oh," so I just like kind of bought it because I'm like, "Oh, that, this guy's like my friend Harrison." <laughs> I will say I I get that too because I like will be like scrolling Pinterest and it'll be like survival tips. I'm like, "Huh," and I save it to a board. <laughs> I mean, because it'll be like how 
it'll be like, what to do if someone gets struck by lightning? And I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever need that, but I save it to my, yeah. my I have the worst for. case scenario hand ba- handbook I bought. Yeah. Because I was like, I mean, I used to keep it in the back of my car because I was like, I mean, you never know. So maybe, I mean, this is obviously before Pinterest, but maybe he's just someone who reads or maybe he's someone who watched a movie and was like, oh, they did this in this movie, like when this person. But regardless, Mark is very smart and very capable and he really wants Kovac to survive because they're, you know, really close friends. And Kovac's the one that's been saying he's broken up the band, but obviously they love each other. As Susan's leaving, she mentions, oh, by the way, if the police come by, just tell them it was a false alarm because, you know, I saw a strange car outside and I thought someone was robbing the house. And I also called your dad. And Alexis really freaks out about her dad and the police. She's like, oh my God. And then there's like a noise in the background and Susan's like, what is going on? And she finds Ivan's body. And then Alexis, because I guess she figured she couldn't make up a story like, oh, they attacked us. And, you know, we said something. I don't know. She just stabs her stepmom. Yeah. Kills her. Killing yeah. our killing our hope of them getting free again. Yeah. And so they go back into the the room. Meanwhile, they end up going back into there. And Beverly is in the barn. And she's finding all this evidence that the pastor and the church have been taking a lot of money from their constituents. Or their congregation. I'm sorry. Congregation. And is building nice houses for the pastor instead of, you know, the home for wayward girls yeah like they're safe homes like they're supposed to so she's pissed she also finds some cash and a boat motor like a motorboat blade yeah propeller propeller that's what it is i am not a boater so she's like she's like she's got a weapon and val and alexis try another thing because uh val has been like using hairspray on her hair like she carries in her purse at all times which is a big old can by the way which is why she has such a big bag and they decide to light it up and they basically turn the hairspray and the lighter into a flamethrower it does not work because again mark is smart enough to stamp it out with a blanket a sheriff shows up and alexis tries to like charm her way out of it yeah and it does not work because he's like not the thing is like he doesn't believe her bullshit but when he gets inside he thinks the boys must be the attackers and so he starts arresting them and val shoots him in the head with his own gun yeah you know and what's weird to me is like i thought he was doing a good job of seeming like a realistic cop that's like good at his job up until that point when he just like starts freaking out as soon as he sees the boys, because he handled the guys, it, he yeah. handled it like really logically, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is a good cop." But then, but then again, if you're in a house alone and you could get jumped, you probably would get less logical. But I was like, "Man, he seemed so cool earlier, and now he's just like." But why didn't he call backup? Another thing, I don't know if, like, this was the, like, protocol in the 80s, but I don't know if it speaks a lot to my upbringing, but I'm like, anytime I've ever seen a cop car, it's always two cops in the cop car. I don't think I've ever seen a cop by themselves, especially if there's a situation where it's, like... It may be a break in the house and potentially something dangerous happened in the house. You would think it'd always be two cops. Yeah, most people have a partner. Yeah. But it is rural Indiana, so maybe not. So yeah, so uh, now we've got two, three dead bodies. Yeah. Three dead bodies. Stacking up. And the boys once again go to the pantry. <laughs> <laughs> and Val tries to shoot the door. And then Alexis and Val are like fighting over who gets to have the gun. Yeah. Because they're stupid teenagers. 
And Beverly takes control of the situation because she has the motorboat propeller. And she's like, hey, hey, no one else is dying. And she tells them that uh, the pastor, who is apparently Alexis's father, Mm, um, is corrupt. And Val seems genuinely surprised. Alexis, I can't really tell if she's actually surprised or if she's gaslighting everybody. Yeah. Like, she could just be girl boss gaslighting. Yeah, it's, I can't really say what I wanted to say without spoiling the end, but it is kind of, it's like, it's hard to read her, her yes. true intentions. Yeah, at least at this point, like, I, I say 50-50. Maybe she knew that, oh, it's a little suspicious that we have such a nice house and my dad's a pastor, but like, maybe she didn't want to believe it, so she just kind of like slipped under the rug. But anyways, so they're able to wrestle... Beverly enough to distract her, but Beverly's able to injure both of them, and they kind of run upstairs, and the boys come out, and they first attack Beverly, and then Mark's like, wait, wait, she wants to help us, wait, 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 (laughs) and I was like, oh my god, and then Alexis turns on, ooh, baby, do you know what it's worth, ooh, heaven is a place on earth. Brandy Carlisle. Yeah, I was like, I feel like it wasn't, was it the original version? Because the chorus sounded weird like the vocals sounded off oh i need to go back and listen to it all i did i will admit guys at this point and i i like black mirror all i could think of san junpero which is like my favorite black mirror episode which has the most deaf you know what i'm talking about yes yes and that's all i could think of and that is the most perfect use of that song i've ever seen in a a film or tv series so yeah i you know i'm glad you said that brit because i recommended that episode to somebody and was like oh my gosh this episode is so good and Wait till the That's end. so good. And he's just like, well, what was so, like, I watched it. Why did you like the ending so much? And I'm like, what are you, what are you kidding? This, you said that song? <laughs> like, come on, man. Yes. Yeah. Validation. Um, But the power goes out and you never see who cuts the power. Mm, yeah. Or if it's just a coincidence. But the power goes out while Mark is trying to go upstairs to get the car keys. So Beverly, Mark, and Kovacs can escape because Kovacs is losing blood fast and they want to get him to a hospital but as he's going it's getting dark beverly starts freaking out she's like i have to go find where val is so she leaves kovacs with the gun but then kovacs goes outside and then he sees a man roll up in another car and he's like oh hey you have to help me and it's johnny knoxville and he's like oh i could help sorry he does he has the weirdest southern accent which is weird that he has a southern accent and he's in indiana oh yeah but maybe he's from the south maybe i don't know it's like a it's like a new trope to have the villains have like a southern accent you know what especially I mean? religious zealots too like there's yeah. always like religious zealots where they're like because what, what's the other extreme voice you're gonna do in america like maybe a wisconsin one where you're like oh hey how you doing well like that's not scary like that's just like hey so Johnny Knoxville's like, hey, son, I'll help you out. Don't worry about it. Just give me the gun. And I was like, no, no, you never give someone new a gun. No, you keep that gun. <laughs> and he shoots Kovacs when he gives him the gun. He says, I am the wrath of God. Because Kovacs is recognizing him as the pastor on the TV. And it's like, oh, it's all coming together. So anyways, Beverly and Val fight. Beverly sets Val's hairspray-covered head yes, on fire. which, which is, is smart. Hard. We both awesome. said smart. I was like, oh, very good, very good, Beverly. Yeah. And Mark is able to get the keys from Alexis, but then she attacks him and they're fighting. And then Kovacs is able to crawl into the house and just tells Bev before he passes away, save Mark. Which yes. is very sweet. Um, very sad. Very sweet. Um, and Mark is trying to strangle Alexis, but she get, he gets shot in the back by pastor john henry butler who is indeed alexis's father which is the mm. dumb like the most weird pastor <laughs> the pastor 
starts talking to Alexis, and she he's like, "You didn't handle this right." He also sees his dead, soon to be ex wife is like, "Good, good riddance. riddance, yeah, what an asshole." <laughs> and he's like berating her for her assignment and then he starts choking her because he's like you could be a martyr for our cause and bev is able to knock him out but then alexis attacks bev who just saved her because she's gone crazy and um mark is able to trip her and she falls out the window and so then beverly and mark are like okay let's go and they go in the car and alexis is still alive and she stands in front of the car and bev just floors it and runs over her yeah it happens off screen but we definitely we the screen like goes like white or black and we hear the sound of the collision so we're like oh she's she's dead finally and then you see the pastor on the television because he's still alive and he just he's now the martyr and he's like my daughter joined a satanic cult and they all killed everyone oh no Uh, meanwhile beverly and mark go to the same gas station and she has money now because she's taken some of the money which was smart of her and they're i guess gonna go anywhere but there and the movie kind of ends yeah and that's it yeah. yeah, this is what I would say, like, a first impression is that, like, this was a fun movie. Like, yeah. it wasn't, like, it wasn't overly complicated in yeah. any sense. I did like that it had a twist. And I like the fact that religious brainwashing is the cause. Because even Beverly says at some point, like, well, I mean, they are doing bad things. It's not completely their fault because they're brainwashed, you know. And I mean, that is true. Like, and... There's a line between victim and participant that some people cross and some people don't. And I think it's important to distinguish that people can be victims and participants or they can just be victims. Because, like, brainwashing is a very serious thing in the world. And it happens even now where people just go down a a rabbit hole, especially with the internet nowadays. And they're like, oh, I'm going to believe all this not fact-checked stuff because like they made it sound really good and i want to believe this because this sounds better than what's actually happening and then it's like oh but then they've been brainwashed by this point so i liked that and i liked that it kind of leans into the satanic panic stuff because that is something that is really depressing that so many people's lives were ruined by that but yeah. also fascinating how like mass hysteria could do that too i did want to i did want to bring up real quick because i read it in an interview with mark myers that this script uh reminded him of a short doc called a uh, heavy metal parking lot that kind of went into the satanic panic um and how it affected some people's lives so i did want to give that a quick shout out on the podcast because i'm going to try to catch that now since you yeah. specifically mentioned that yeah. and i do like how smart mark and beverly are yeah but honestly alexis val and uh the pastor they're all smart too like everyone's pretty evenly matched which I like. It's a pretty fair fight throughout the whole thing. But I do think it kind of divulges into, like, just a fight movie at a certain point. Like, it, it stops being scary after, like, they wake up. Like, yeah. so, I wouldn't call it, like, scary. But I will, I do like the bonfire stuff. I think that's very Halloween-y is, like, mm-hmm. the bonfire. And, like, the occult. Like, everyone's, like, very into that stuff this time of year. Yeah. I did not expect it to take place on July 4th. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because, yeah, where's your where's your 4th of July pride or spirit? Yeah, yeah, but, like, it seems very wintry, like, the setup. The music's good. I like the music. Like, the score is really good. Yeah. Cinematography's good. Val's my favorite part. <laughs> Standout role. Yeah. She's so fun. I do wish her bladder issues were her downfall. Oh, yeah. Like, I wish she was, like, on the toilet and that's how she <laughs> caught her. Cause like, cause That's like she's talked yeah. about it the whole movie, and I was like, oh, like that was like there were just a couple missed opportunities for stuff like that. Yeah, that's. But I was like, oh. Also, was it just me? Cause I was watching it on my phone because I was crunched for time this week, or 
Was it sometimes too dark to see anything? That's like the whole time when the power went off, I was struggling to see. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I like the naturalistic look, but I'm like, but I want to see what's happening. And I never, do you think the pastor turned off the power? I I thought maybe it could have been Bev. Maybe? I don't know. She seems surprised too, though. Okay, yeah, you're right. That's interesting. But I think those are all my pros and cons. Is there anything I missed? Anything y'all loved or hated? Well, it, it did for me what I like what horror movies do, where it got me to like them before the craziness. Like, I liked both groups. And you kind of, I kind of had me forgetting it was a horror movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're having fun. And then it's like, a, it's horror movie time. I always appreciate the movies who do that more, where they're like actually kind of get you to like the characters instead of it just being like, here's some people, you're going to watch them die by Jason now. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to have a little bit of like personality. I would say, yeah, in this movie, what I kind of liked about it was that I love elevated horror, but it's nice to see something that's not quite elevated horror and not quite slasher flick, like something that kind of falls. Hey, it's doing its own thing. It doesn't fall into this particular genre. I did kind of like that. I would say my main thing is, is I thought it was a fun movie. I don't think it was a bad movie, but I don't feel like there was like an it factor that made it just stand out, like to me. Like, because this would be a movie that someone brought it up I would be like yeah that was a fun movie to watch but I wouldn't be like oh my god you have to see this movie because I can't tell you like if that makes any sense like it was a solid little flick but it wasn't like some there wasn't something that kind of elevated into my mind like I have to watch this again and again and again yeah so yeah I think I kind of would have appreciated it more if it would have had a twist like um did you guys see I think it was actually called Satanic Panic where it's got the pizza girl driver no not yet well not yet I've heard very middling reviews for it, it I, I mean I enjoyed it and it's like she it kept escalating like toward the end she had like so many cult members after her and i kept kind of hoping that there'd end up being like a big cult and johnny knoxville there'd be like 70 of them or maybe not 70 but then the two guys or beverly would have to be trying to escape like a a bigger cult but what they did though is like a filmmaker's dream you got you got a parking lot you got a gas station you got a road and then you got a house you can rent for a couple weeks like, nice, low locations, low characters, you're not spending too much. I was thinking about that the whole time. I'm like, yeah, this is smart. They're just going back and forth between the pantry. Well, and there's not room. a huge cast. There's yeah. not a huge cast either. That's a low budget. And then you don't have so many moving parts, too. Right. Yeah. Which, I like the smaller cast movies. Like, not that it's fun to have a big cast, too. But, like, I feel like you get more connected to the characters mm-hmm. when there's less people. Sometimes when there's too many characters, it's like, I, I get them confused. Yeah, but Jake, we will ask. So any other pros and cons before we get into ratings? The the pro, I did think the cast had, was really charming at the beginning. I really enjoyed that. I think they did had a really good use of tension and all that stuff. I don't really have like a con-con, but I think I kind of agree with you, Britt, where it's like once it turned into a thriller, it kind of lost me and... You know, I it was good, but it usually for a re- rewatch factor, it's either got to be like really funny for me or have like something. But uh, but no, I, overall, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was like a fun little movie. Like it wasn't like a 
unenjoyable experience anyway. It was a it was a fun movie and it kept my attention the entire time I was watching it. It was just more like like you said, it's the rewatchability factor. I don't see myself visiting again and again and again. I would rewatch it if a friend wanted to watch it, but yeah. I probably wouldn't seek it out on my own again to watch it. Yeah. I feel like it needed a deeper layer for me to rewatch it. Like mm -hmm. I like rewatching movies that I can find stuff hidden in there. But yeah. I think it's it's a it's a good movie. I gave it a solid six point five out of ten. You know what? I actually gave it the exact same rating. Really? Yeah. Because I felt six was too low. Yeah. But seven was too high. Yeah. But it's really solid. I really like it. Yeah, I think it was the cast chemistry and the fun they obviously were having filming this movie. I think that did elevate it in its own way. Yeah, I agree with I agree with your score because it it was good. Um, I think sometimes I sabotage my opinion when like i i'm hoping something's gonna happen and it doesn't and that's like mm -hmm. sh that's not fair to the movie <laughs> it's not fair for me to want more cult members to show up and they don't you know what but i think it's understandable because it's almost like especially if you being a film creator it's kind of like how you would write it like in your head and I'm not even a film creator, but, you know, Katie can tell you how much about the final season of Game of Thrones. I'm like, hell, just let me write it at this point. Like, well, So I do I do get that completely. Better, but you would have definitely written it better. But, <laughs> but I mean... But no, that's my, that's my own... I'm not even going to go into that. Okay, guys, so we talked about ratings. Do you all have Grindhouse Girls ratings? I only have one this time. Okay. But it's fine. Rated S for Saints, Sinners, and Satanic Panic. Okay. Jake, did you happen to have one? I tried. I, I have, like, I had uh, Jams, Jesting, and uh, Jackass Alumni. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I like that. That's cute. I had two, so I incidentally also had S for oh. Satanic Panic and Sinister Attention. <gasps> oh. oh. I like that one. I also had Rated C for Colts. Concerts and chocolate milkshakes. Oh, oh my gosh. wow! <laughs> I kind of like the the th the C one. The C. I yeah. like the C word. C cults, <laughs> concerts, and chocolate milkshakes. Yeah, you guys kicked my butt on that. that those are good. No, the Jackass Mine alumni. Sucks, no, your sentence sucked, Katie. I like the Jackass alumni. That was really cute. And so I will say, so I know like Jake has like it's getting late there. It's yeah. getting late here. So let's real quick go into to be talk. Yes, to be talk. To be talk. You came onto our podcast last October with Clay Zombies. What has been your journey like from the premiere to releasing the Blu-ray and now streaming on platforms like Tubi? Yeah, so you know I. I took a lot of the feedback that I got from the theatrical premieres and getting, you know, co-opportunity to talk to you guys and things and took time to kind of try to even make it better. I tried self-distributing on Amazon, but to the little independents, they don't let you become free for Prime anymore. They uh -huh. just, they just don't if you, you know, self-distribute. I miss those days. Yeah, it was, it was cool. And at the very beginning, people were making a, a good living off of it. But, you know, just corporations, they get greedy. And I think they pay a penny an hour of, like, if someone streams your movie for an hour, you get a penny. Something like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> a penny? Yeah. Not a dollar? No, okay. no, a penny. Yeah. It, well, it, oh, my God. If, if you make it to the, you know, free with Prime. But, like, now the only option is people can buy it. And, and like, for a lot of independents, people are already going to get salty if they have to pay, like. Yeah. So, uh. I was trying that, and I wanted to author my own Blu-ray because a lot of other indie 
people I know and other directors, like they'll, they'll give it to a distributor and then I would buy it, be supportive and cause I want to see the film. And then it would say like play and subtitles. There wouldn't be a chapter select. There wouldn't be commentary or bonus. And I was right. like, I'm not going to give my rights away. I'm going to author my own Blu-ray that at least has, you know, features and stuff. And I met a guy who helped me with that. So I was able to at least sell some Blu-rays while I waited. And like I told you guys, that's my guilty pleasure is Blu-rays. So anyway, long story short, I was on YouTube one day and I found out about a distributor that lets you keep your film rights and you can get on things like Tubi and all that stuff. If Tubi ends up, you know, selecting your movie and, and wants it, because I guess they do curate. So I signed with that distributor. Well, at first I told him oh, I was like... Can you say who it is? It's called Film Hub. It's kind of strange because they tell you up front, like, what they're going to take. And it's not it's not much. It's like, I mean, 20% or something like that. But anyway, um, anybody can submit. Whether they take you or not is up to them. And I told them up front, I said, you know, if I go with you guys, I want to end up on Tubi. And they watched the film and looked at my art and everything. And they're like, oh, yeah, Tubi, Tubi, I want this, blah, blah, blah. So signed with them. And yeah, I mean, it's really exciting because, you know, I didn't make the movie to make a bunch of money. I just want people to see it, you know, and yeah. I want people to be able to see what the actors did and everything. So I think Tubi's great because it's like you guys were saying earlier, they have like Blade Runner 2049 and mm-hmm. other awesome blockbusters. And there's a chance, you know, that the little guys can get seen and they're not making mm-hmm. people pay five bucks for their movie or whatever. Yeah. I mean, personally, I love really, really high-end movies and really, really low-end movies, and I don't tend to like middle-grade movies. <laughs> so I like seeing the low-budget ones, because sometimes you'll find a hidden gem, and sometimes you'll find something that's so bad that it's just, like, the most entertaining thing you've ever seen in your entire life. It's like a little mini The Room. So it's like, that's why I like things like Tubi, and when Amazon did that self, you know, get onto Prime for free, I would find so many movies that were both ends. I highly recommend people go into Tubi and watch watch some independent filmmakers make some movies. Yeah. Because you never know, you might find your favorite new film. Yeah, there's a, there's a you know, that's the thing, indies do get uh, a bad rap a lot of times, and even this movie, I couldn't believe it, but... Uh... Even We Some in the Darkness, if you go to the IMDb, it's got like thousands of one star reviews, which is just like wow, totally unfair. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's so many worse movies in this movie. <laughs> like, I mean, this is it's not a one star movie. It's a three star mm-hmm. movie, I would say. Maybe two. Yeah, maybe like two and a half. Well, IMDb is 10. So like a three star for IMDb is really yeah, bad. Yeah. Or like a one oh, star. So, I would say it's a five star. I would say it's a five out of 10. Yeah. IMBD movies do tend to run lower, though, because I was talking with someone recently about all the movies that were nominated for Academy Awards last year. I was like, the majority of them probably live at, like, in the 80s on Rotten Tomatoes, but you get to IMBD and most of them are 6 and 7 out of 10. I feel like effort counts. Like, you were talking about indie movies. Like, what someone does with their budget is so much more important than a lot of aspects, because I'm like, you could have a small budget and have a really fun entertainment. But, like, Clay Zombies... It's a small budget movie, but it's fun. It's funny to watch. And, like, it's very unique. And, like, you guys marketed it perfectly because, like, it is what it says it is. Yeah. Like, it's a silly little romp, and it's fun. There's dogs. There's silly stuff. And it's, like, I've seen so many other, like, small movies where it's, like, it's basically the same setup of, like, you know, I did a a movie with a bunch of my friends, but it doesn't have the heart that Clay Zombies had. 
and the charm. And I, I didn't like, say, you know, I'm like, ooh, Sam- someone was an egomaniac making this movie. Whereas Clay Zombies is like, you can just tell everyone had a good time. Sandy, her legacy lives on because even when we were watching uh, Clay Zombies with my little group party, like they were just like, Dad, give me more food. And that wasn't even something I was thinking of the first time watching Clay Zombies. It's like you pour the food in her food bowl and it's like a little bit of food. <laughs> But it's, I guess it's because probably when you were filming, you weren't wanting her to overeat. But it's just like a cute little moment where they were like, so like during the movie, they were like having Sandy talk. And I was like, this is really, like, you just wouldn't have ever guessed like what that movie, like when you're watching a group setting, what people like pick up on or love about that movie. So I think that's really cool about the legacy of Clay Zombies too. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I tried to you know, in the trailer show, it was going to, it was going to be fun. It's like, no matter how much you try to say something's goofy, you always have people come out of the woodwork where they're like, well, this, this, and this. And you're just like, I, I don't, I, I can't make it any clearer what the point of this was. It's not supposed to be, what's the movie with Rosebud? Citizen Kane. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> just trying to. But I mean, like, but Citizen Kane was also panned when it came out. Yeah, people Citizen hated it. Do you have any like advice for aspiring filmmakers like if they're like let's say they have a film and they're sitting on it and they want to get distributed like do you think the way you did it is probably the easiest way or do you think there's an easier way if you were okay with like losing your rights to it oh yeah if you if like if you care about money more than like keeping your rights like if you don't think you're ever going to do sequels or anything like that you know, there's all kinds of places out there. Lower budget horror movies, you can go to companies like Wild Eye or Gravit, Gravitas or Gravitas. Or you can go to, uh, there's a new one that's actually, their stuff's really good quality. I was tempted to reach out to them. They're called um, Scream Team Releasing. But they're mostly like horror, thriller, or like um, goofy sci-fi comedy or sci-fi stuff. And I think though with them, you do kind of, have a more in-depth deal like i wanted to be able to make sure i kept my blue rights i kept my rights to make sequels you know all that stuff yeah there's there's all kinds of little distribution companies that you can submit your film online and they'll tell you if they're interested and you know you can make a deal from there uh the other thing people do is they do the film festival thing i don't recommend it because if you probably already don't have that much money and you spend it all on your film, the thing people don't tell you is most of the time when you enter a film festival, it's going to be $40 minimum. If it's like, you know, a decent one and you're not going to get in, I mean, <laughs> uh, you, you'll get into littler ones and, and that's great. But most of the time distribution companies aren't looking for the little ones they are looking for the Sundance and, you know, bigger ones like that. But the, yeah thing about Sundance is most of the time unless you have an agent that representing your movie you're not going to get into Sundance because they make a lot of backdoor deals where they're like hey I've got this movie mm-hmm. here's some money do, do. and it's not yeah it's not shady it's just well what well, it's like the hiring the people you know kind of thing it's like they're like oh I don't want to sit through 45 movies when I could watch five that this one person who I trust recommends to me yeah. Yeah. And I did want to say real quick, though, if someone is listening for the distribution thing, the reason I'm saying those other companies would be easier to go through than Film Hub is like Film Hub does not do any marketing. Like you're on your own. Mm. The other companies like Grav- Gravitas and uh, Wild Eye, they'll at least kind of do some social media for you. They can get it in other. I've seen them do, 
you know, uh, theatrical premieres in other countries for movies and stuff like that. So you lose your rights, but they're going to market it for you more. And they're, uh, you know, they're going to take more off the top as well, I think. But there's lots of choices. just depends on how much you want to keep it. You know, I know a few people who make a movie. They don't care whether they keep the rights or not. They, you know, give it to a distributor and they move on. So if you don't plan on making several of the same movie, that that might be the best option for you. Right. So speaking of sequel rights, do you, what's your next project? I saw you put something on the Instagram about Clay Vampires. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be the next movie? Well, uh, you know, I, I we're we're talking about it. You know, uh, it's it'd be exciting. Gabe, who played Emilio, he's actually a National Guard and he's going to be serving overseas until like July. So we were thinking it would be really fun. Like once he gets back, you know, we'll like. Maybe mm-hmm. we could film Clay Zombies too, but uh, we'll see. I'm 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 considering a few things, it, but it would it would be really cool to do do Clay Vampires. <laughs> I mean, I'd be down for it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be fun. You need any victims over there? Oh yeah, we can have southern accents. Yeah. Hi there. We're just vacationing. What's going on? <laughs> authentic southern accents yeah i always joke i'm like you can kill me in your film it's fine yeah it's fine i don't know is there any any other shout outs you'd like to give jake any anything people need to check out other than getting the blu-ray and the comic book and on tv i think you've covered it as far as as clay zombies i I really would appreciate it people uh gave it a chance on tubi you know please don't get it on amazon prime uh tubi where it's free (laughs) And, um, yeah. Do you make more money on the Blu-ray or Tubi? I mean, you don't really make money on Tubi. You know what I mean? Unless, maybe in my experience, I'm a, I'm a little indie. I'm sure, you know, like the millions of people watching Blade Runner, like Blade Runner and Warner Brothers is actually making money. For me, it's more so like, right. just want people to be able to watch it. And the Blu-ray is just kind of like, you know, I watched Velocipasture for free on uh, Amazon. <laughs> on Amazon Prime, you know, when you could watch things on Prime for free. And I liked it yeah. so much, I bought the Blu-ray. So it, yeah. it's the Blu-ray is just kind of there for anybody who likes Clay Zombies enough. They're like, oh, yeah, I'd like to get the Blu-ray, you know. But um, I just appreciate it. Well, I treasure my copy. Yeah. I treasure my copy. Oh, yeah. I, we love our copy, <laughs> too. It's, so. it's right there. So <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> no, Thank you. No problem. But yeah, I guess we'll have to say goodbye then, because it is nighttime. You're an hour ahead of us, so it is time for bed. I do see on your uh, notes, Katie, did you want to talk about the next guest episode very quickly before oh, we Oh, yeah, yeah, So next week we'll have our sidetracks episode. Mm-hmm. So we'll go over some more Halloween movies you can watch. And then after that, we'll be joined by Armand mm-hmm. from Syndicate, who uh, we are on his episode on the should be october 18th 18th okay yes october 18th um we'll be talking about the cabin in the woods super fun movie very halloweeny and then he's coming on our podcast and we're have the same idea that jake did for halloween ends but alas we have to film it before halloween ends comes in theaters so we're going to talk about the halloween franchise and we're going to watch the first halloween yeah which right now is streaming on shutter 
Mm-hmm. Um, I hope in October it is too, because I know every, the last two Halloweens, we've been like, let's do Halloween and it's not streaming anywhere. Yes. So right now it's streaming on Shutter. Yeah. But on that note, I guess we should get ready to say our goodbyes. Jake, did you have any closing thoughts for us though? Well, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity, uh, last year for you guys to watch, uh, play zombies and give me some good notes and talk about it. It was a lot of fun and supported me along the journey. I really appreciate it. And had a lot of fun yeah, talking yeah. to you guys tonight about, uh, we summon the darkness and thanks for letting me talk about it on Tubi. <laughs> Yay. But, uh, you guys are cracking me up, man. It was, it was fun. You know, <laughs> love the podcast. We try. You know, awesome job. And yeah, thanks again thanks. for the invite. Anytime. Thank you for coming. Too. We love guest episodes. It's just fun. We do. And thank you for like looping us into clay zombies. Cause it's been like a fun experience it to has see been. you guys like grow from like, Oh, hey, watch this link on YouTube to like, oh my God, we're streaming on Tubi and everybody can watch it. And I'm excited to like, be like, oh, watch, watch Clay Zombies. It's so awesome. <laughs> but yes, I guess we have to say goodnight to everyone. So uh, take care of yourselves. Get your boosters. It's time for the booster. I have to go get you know, my flu shot of my booster because I'm already getting ragweed. And I'm like, I can't get sick sick. Wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Take your vitamins. Take care of your fur babies. And if you have real babies, um, take care of those too. And get your Halloween costumes ready because it's, it's almost time. Yes, don't be that person at Party City the day before. The God day bless before you, Halloween. Spirit Halloween and Party City employees. Yes. Because, damn. But yes. But yes. Good night. We love y'all. Drink your water, guys. You know, yeah. I always like to remind you of that. And, of course, take care of yourselves and one another. Jake, you got any closing things you'd like to say as we wrap up? Um, happy Halloween and don't touch the clay. Don't touch the clay or else you'll have, have a, bad a bad day. day. Night, everybody. And, of course, stay spooky, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Bye, Bye, Jake. Bye, Jake. Thank you. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials 
And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.